This is the Podium Finish Live from Austin, Texas, and various points across the country. Here's your host, Rob Tiamson. And a good, good day to everyone out there listening to us on your preferred podcasting platform. Welcome to the Podium Finish Live, episode number 79. I'm your host, Rob Tiongson. Joined alongside Nathan Solomon. We're so glad that you could join us for our post-New Hampshire pre-Pocono edition of our show, in which we're still talking about races in the Northeast, Mother Nature, and Joe Gibbs Racing dominating yet again. Doesn't that sound like the summer of 2023 in a nutshell? It's going to be a fantastic show, nevertheless, because we're looking forward to all the action that's going to be happening at the Tricky Triangle, of course, known as Pocono Raceway in Long Pond, Pennsylvania. And hopefully this time around, Mother Nature being more cooperative after she made an appearance on Sunday afternoon and Sunday morning, rather, at Loudon, and pretty much soaked her way through the whole race weekend until Monday. So... Lots to look forward to in terms of what happened on Monday's race. And of course, kind of preview what's going to happen with the race at Pocono with the trucks, Xfinity and Cup Series all in action. Not to mention our hot seat lineup for tonight or today, whenever you're listening to us, of course, because we've got two young drivers who are definitely on your radar for talented sensations and the stock car ladder. One of them being, of course, Team Hornaday development driver Dawson Sutton. You may know him, of course, from the Prolate Model Series and the Cars Tour. And of course, he's a THD driver. So we'll hear from him, as well as Carson Hosevar, who, of course, is a two time NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series winner. And oh, by the way, driver of the number 42 Nice Motorsports Chevrolet Silverado entry in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. So lots of trucking action going on here because, of course, Austin Sutton has a connection with Rackley uh, Roofing, the Rackley War team that you may know of in that paint scheme. We'll let him explain why in a little bit later in the show. But right now, let's go bring in Nathan, of course, because I'm sure he has rode his way back from Loudoun, New Hampshire, back to New York before he goes down to the Pocono Mountains. So, Nathan, I hope you're... Your boat is intact after the rainy times in my old home track of New Hampshire. Hope everything's going well, and I'm sure you are looking forward to some long pond racing. I am. I'm very look, much looking forward to Pocono. It's Pocono is basically my my second home track, so looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I had to stay loud in a day longer than I anticipated, but. Um, glad we got the cup race in. Glad the weather cooperated on uh, Monday afternoon because it really was a very, very beautiful afternoon for a race. Um, and yeah, Martin Mon- Monday Martin Truex Jr. dominated once again. I mean, when he wins, I mean, man, he wins. He, you know, he kicked everybody's butt. So uh, really impressive performance. And, and to your point, like you know, looking forward to getting down to uh, Pocono for uh, a quadruple header weekend. It will be a uh, uh, you know, we have on-track activity, I think, starting at noon on Friday. So it's one of the few uh, legit, like, fast Fridays we have this year. So it's fun. Of course, we can't forget about ARCA because they have their race action going on as well. So um, just some interesting faces in the field, of course. So if you want to check that out, the ARCA Racing website has those names. But certainly, um, well worth it to see what happens with the Frankie Munez and Jesse Love title race so far in the ARCA Menard series. and. Uh, old friend of TPF, Logan Mazarka, is going to be in the ARCA race as well, based on the entry list. So if you have a reason to look forward to racing on Friday evening, 
check that out because Arca is going to be going on at Pocono. And then, of course, as Nathan mentioned, Monday, Martin Truex Jr. led basically almost 85% of the race. I think if the rain postpones another cup race, I think everybody on TPF is going to pick Martin Truex Jr., regardless of the venue, because more than likely he's going to win the race <laughs> if it happens. But uh, we'll we'll talk more about Monday, Martin Truex Jr. here very shortly. Right now, I do want to bring in our sponsor, SpoilerDiecast.com, and tell you why you can get some great savings with them today. Hey racing fans, are you in the hunt for the latest diecast cars from Lionel Racing or F1 or IndyCar diecasts? Well, look no further. If you head to spoilerdiecast.com, you'll find all of the latest and greatest diecast cars and get free shipping and 5% off of your orders if you use promo code TPF by spending $20 or more on your items. Head over to SpoilerDieCast.com and let Evan and his team know that you want the best diecast cards around. And if you use promo code TPF, you'll be in the winner's circle. It doesn't get better than that. So just head on over to SpoilerDieCast.com and make your latest purchases today. So yes, of course, folks, as always, promo code TPF is here to save the day and save some money for you and enjoy free shipping to get your cars and merch from Evan and his team within four or less business days, which is pretty good in this modern era of mailing and all. So uh, get to it, pre-order your diecast cars or get your shirts and hats on and use promo code TPF for all orders of $20 or more. And you can get 5% off and free shipping. It's like having a great old time doing a burnout and feeling like Monday, feeling like Monday morning, uh, Monday morning, Martin Truex Jr. I don't know if you want to be that early. But anyways, folks, promo code TPF is here to get you on the fast track. Right now, though, why don't we get to the racetrack with Podium Perspectives? And Monday, Martin Truex Jr., I... Want to give Nathan the credit for that nickname? I'm, I'm sure he'll probably digress, but he did mention that in our sort of team chat during the race on Monday afternoon. Yes, Monday afternoon for the Crayon 301, which was postponed due to Mother Nature's eminent appearance again. And unfortunately, it meant that Sam Jerry's unfortunately didn't get to cover a cup race again on a Sunday, but we're hoping that that chat that bad streak ends this weekend nevertheless though one person who's enjoying the streak of monday cup racing is martin Drake jr who pretty much like i said led 85 percent of the race he just spanked the field and really at the end of the day he's making william byron uh sweat a little bit in terms of most victories and kind of making that race for number one in the playoffs quite interesting honestly because for the first half of the season, we're all talking about, you know, Hendrick Motorsports this, Hendrick Motorsports that. And all of a sudden, Joe Gibbs Racing has really started to peak at the right time. And, you know, lo and behold, of course, it's Martin Truex Jr. who's been carrying the load for JGR. And, you know, his performance on Monday was nothing short of sensational. Um, special, of course, for him, too, because, you know, New Hampshire Motor Speedway holds a close place in his heart as Nathan Unhearth and Dustin Long of NBC Sports kind of finished off um, in terms of his father 
uh, Martin Sr. racing against Dale Sr. in a bush race back in the early 90s. But, you know, Nathan was there on site. So, of course, he has a really good firsthand look and memory of all that happened in New Hampshire. So, I mean, you know, Nathan, if you're the competition right now in the NASCAR Cup Series, how concerned should you be about the number 19 team starting to peak and look like their title form self that we've seen in the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, really good. I mean, they're they're really firing on all cylinders right now. I mean, um, and to your point, I actually asked uh, Martin Truex Jr. Right, right at the beginning of the press conference, is it like a Monday thing or is it a home track thing? Because uh, he's now won on two Mondays this year and both happen to be like his, his two home tracks. So, um yeah, I mean, they're, they're performing really, 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 really well. I mean, three wins basically in the last two and a half months. Of course, he won, uh, won Sonoma. So um, they look really good. I mean, it took him and James Fall a couple of years to really, like, start firing on all cylinders and clicking off wins. But um, when Martin Truex Jr. has momentum on the side, he's just – he's so difficult to stop. And, and like I said, kind of in, in, in this open – um, when he wins races, I mean, he dominates them. And all three of his wins this year have been pretty Martin Tricks Jr. Like they've been, um, they've been a butt kicking. So um, they're really dangerous. I mean, obviously they're, I mean, they, they had a perfect 60 point day on Monday. Um, I think William Byron, did, he didn't have a very good race. I mean, he finished like 24th or something. So um, Tricks is now, he's a regular season points leader by like 14 or, or 15 points now. Um so now he's kind of in the driver's seat. It's just, it's just all about, um, you know, consistency. And uh, I think at, at the rate that they're going, they could very well click off another win or two here before uh, before the playoffs start. I know there's some uh, pretty favorable tracks for him coming up. I mean, Pocono this weekend, JGR has been historically very good there. Um, Truex has been very good at Watkins Glen here um, coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, so, I mean, I look at those two as, as two great opportunities for Martin Truex Jr. To, to go out and get another win. So, um, I think we have a lot of storylines developing for sure. I mean, and it's all about points. It's not really about, like, you know, are there going to be 16 winners this year? It's pretty evident that there's not going to be 16 winners. I think it's all about now. It, it's the two storylines, all right, who's going to point their way into the playoffs and who's going to win the regular season championship because both look to be really close. And, um you know, I think we, we got a little bit of separation after Monday as well um, in terms of the regular season championship because Christopher Bell did not have a good day. He had a really good car, um, but a bunch of mistakes on pit road eventually led to a crash. Um, he kind of fell back out of uh, out of contention a little bit further. So right now it's kind of looking like a two-horse race. It's kind of looking like uh, Martin Truex Jr. versus William Byron for the regular season championship. But uh, we've still got six weeks to go. A lot can happen. Um, it could just take one bad day for the both of them and one great day for Christopher Bella Pocono this weekend for, uh, for things to get all even out. But uh, like I said, right now it's looking like a, a two-man show for uh, the regular season title. And it's the same old song and dance despite the players being different with Hendrick and Gibbs dominating the number one seed race for the playoffs. So certainly looks like Stockard supremacy is still the same. Although the players, well, Martin Trix Jr. has been the consistent guy for Gibbs these last couple of years. And then you've, of course, got William Byron, who has pretty much become um, this breakthrough superstar racer. He looks quite at home, although he did have kind of a rough race on Monday, um, just struggling with the handling of his car. And for that matter, as Nathan pointed out, actually, during the race um, on Monday, Eric Motorsports was kind of out to lunch in general, whereas Gibbs as a whole was actually really strong. So... Um, 
we'll see what happens because really these next six weeks, every track is different. It's not like before or even a couple of years ago where the circuits kind of had the same, you know, vibe, the same feel, oval, 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 this and that. But now it's like tricky triangle this weekend. And of course, you got the short track at Richmond the following weekend, uh, Michigan, Walk, uh, not Watkins Glen, Indianapolis, rather, Watkins Glen, and then Daytona. I mean, this is just a wild stretch of the season that we're getting into. So lots to look that could happen. And to Nathan's point, of course, Christopher Bell, any of those guys who's already won races this year, they could factor their way into getting a higher uh, position in the playoffs or maybe even steal the thunder from Truex and Byron. There's enough time to do so. So if you've at least got two victories at this point, uh, you may just have what it takes to spoil this parade that uh, Truex and Gibbs have been up to these last few months. But one team that's certainly on the rise right now, a team that really we should be paying closer attention to. I know Nathan has been. We have been at TPF, but I think in general, we should all be paying close attention to is RFK Racing. Because really a year and a half ago, let's admit it, they were dog meat. They were they weren't good. But now, you know, we're halfway through this year. We're into the second half of the season. We're getting closer to the playoffs. And by golly, RFK Racing as a whole, they're really consistent. They're front-running teams. You know, Chris Bush has been looking good, and Brad Keselowski has been looking more like the way he did at Team Penske. Um, and that was no exception on Monday afternoon, starting outside the top um, fifth, top 10, rather. And then he was able to work his way to finish in the fifth position with a car that really did well on short runs. And honestly, wasn't too bad on the long runs, although, as he had mentioned to Nathan in the bullpen, and if you read that article on TPF, uh, Keselowski was more you know, susceptible to the long runs and more adept with the short runs. But nevertheless, car number six and even car number 17 are looking really, really stout right now. So I got to ask you, Nathan, because you got to see this in person. I mean, how pivotal is the Brad Keselowski factor how has it been like how pivotal has it been in the last couple of years? Because really, I mean, when it was just our, you know, Roush Fenway, I can't think of a headline that they've done. And all of a sudden, these guys look like they could be a breakthrough superstar team for Ford. Yeah, for sure. A lot. I mean, it's hard to give it like a, a completely like fair grade or assessment on how much his impact was bad. I mean, it, it's clearly a ton, but uh, obviously because he came right in with a new car. So um, that certainly had a little bit to do with it, but that, that's not discounting everything that um, that Keselowski did. And, and this team kind of really started to hit their stride the second half of last season. Um, Chris Buescher, of course, almost won at – or, sorry, he did win at Bristol. Um, Brad almost won at Bristol. I mean, those two cars were pretty much class of the field in that race. Um, and both guys have just been very consistent this year and have, I think, in my opinion, have been the most consistent uh, for team. I mean – Week in, week out, even in their, some of their bad bad weeks as a manufacturer, they're still kind of running um, in that 10th to 15th range when you kind of see some of the other Fords, like Team Penske, I mean, or, or, or Stuart Haas Racing, I mean, run, you know, 20th, 25th, um, especially at, at some of these bigger ovals that we go to or, um, you know, a, a place like Pocono this weekend. Um, you know, that, that's a place where I'd imagine a, a, a Team Penske or a Stuart Haas Racing would probably uh, really struggle um, but, I mean, RFK and, and, and these bigger tracks have just been a little bit ahead. So um, both drivers have ran really well. Both drivers are currently in a position right now to make the playoffs, um, barring 
some unforeseen um, sequence of events where those drivers start having very poor finishes with the addition of a couple of first-time winners. So, I mean, if, if they keep up at this rate, both guys will be in, in, in the playoffs, and, and that is a, a major testament to, to what Brad's done and how much he's, he's grown that team in, um, in two years. I mean, you look at the team where, where they were in 2021, give us a, new, a different era of car. Um, I mean, those were probably some of the most non-competitive cars in the field. Um, really, maybe only you could put you could probably only put maybe five or six cars ahead of them, um, or, or excuse me, behind them rather. You know, in, in terms of uh, in terms of competitiveness or, or lack thereof. So, um, yeah, they've really taken a step in the right direction, not just this season, but really in the last calendar year. Um, and it it's only going to get better and better for that. It's that half time until. Um, Brad gets to victory lane and, and, and breaks that you know two year winless drought and, and it's a matter of time until until Chris Butcher gets back there as well. The six one seven crew is certainly making a case to make uh, score multiple victories because really they've Nathan said said it really well. They've been really consistent. They've been running at the front of the field purely on pace, and you know I think I, what I liked out of Brad Keselowski is when he took over that team really operational wise, you know, he said, all right, the past goes through the past. We've got to, you know, start looking ahead and, you know, getting rid of some of the old inventory at their shop in Concord and just being more innovative, being more risk takers and just really, you know, saying this is a new era for this really story team for forward. You know, Jack Roush doesn't have to, you know, wallow away in um, ignominy of defeat. It could be a, a really competitive effort for the Blue Oval camp, and it really has. I mean, they've really, they haven't had a really bad day, honestly. Um, if you don't think about the Bushlight Clash at LA, you know, there's just, it's been impressive to see the turnaround by this organization. And I think really at this point next year, provided that the four teams don't have much changes with their card, um, because they kind of did with their noses, um, I, I kind of see RFK Racing giving Team Penske a case of sweats uh, in terms of being the fastest forward team next year. So that's a testament to Ka- uh, Brad K, Jack Roush, the, the Fenway Sports Group, everybody that's involved to make that team back to the respectability, the competitiveness that we expect out of them. So it's really cool to see. And um, maybe one of these, these days we'll see uh, you know, the number 16 car come back. Well, not really right now because they have AJ Allmendinger, but it would be cool to see RFK Racing become a third car, a three-car team again, but we'll see what happens um, right now in the current state of NASCAR with the charter system and all. But kudos to Brad Kay and the RFK group for sure. And let me let me throw in a stat here for you quick. Um, and I noticed this uh, when I was writing about Chris before um, before the race at New Hampshire, and, and this and these stats have, have continued since then. Um, Chris Busher has finished worse than 21st just three times this year. It has finished out of the top 15 um, just three times um, since Richmond. And the worst finish in that span since Richmond is 18th. Jeez, that's pretty scary then. So you're basically saying to us, he doesn't really get many bad days. He's he's consistently, you know, coming into the office. He's doing his workload and doesn't really call out six. So. And I think you see for those two cars as well, 
is something that they've done a really good job of all year that, that a lot of other teams have not. They've just limited the stakes. They're not crashing. They're not speeding on pit road. They're not pick, picking up, you know, pit crew penalties. They're just running clean races, and that's putting them in position for um, contending for wins and having strong finishes. And consistency, believe it or not, folks, in this day and age, it still counts. It still matters because if you're not going to be able to win the race, you know, you got to finish the race and do it and do it in good fashion, of course. So, you know, I think Brad Kay, uh, Chris Busher, everybody involved at RK Racing, it's going to be uh, a good time to be involved in that organization. And I'm not trying to speculate, I'm not postulating, but we all know that, of course, that Zane Smith certainly wants to make his way to the uh, the Cup Series. Uh, if you've been following along with the Truck Series, uh, you know, storylines on TPF, he's made it pretty clear he kind of wished he won the Cup already. But if Ford wants to make him happy, why not put him in a, a third RFK car if they have that happening? So anything's possible, friends. We'll see what happens. Now, one thing that I'm glad that NASCAR is starting to do or will I guess you could say on an unofficial basis, we'll be doing moving forward is trying to crack down on those restart shenanigans because uh, I don't know if you folks saw Saturday's Xfinity race at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, but we saw a lot of gamesmanship involved in restarts, a lot of brake checks and a lot of wrecked race cars. I mean, I know Nathan pointed it out in the chat that, hey, the last two races at New Hampshire for the Xfinity series has been a junkyard. And I was saying, wait a second, New Hampshire junkyard? Not real. But uh, no, it has been. And uh, this past Saturday was no exception. I mean, there was a restart, I want to say, just before lap 100 that just went all wrong. I mean, it took out a bunch of good cars, damaged a lot of good cars, and really effectively made it quite easy for John Hunter Nemechek to win the race, whereas the likes of Justin Allgaier, you know, um, a lot of the good cars, Ryan Sieg, Parker Klergerman, their days are pretty much over because of the the craziness that happened at the front of the field. And I know, Nathan, you you kind of saw what happened there. And uh, it's just crazy to see all these restart um, jinxes going on. I mean, how long overdue is this for NASCAR to finally say enough's enough, let's get back to racing and not doing, you know, for lack of better English, all the crap that's going on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, that was an unfortunate issue in that, in that extended race. I don't know exactly what happened. I was in, you know, it was gamesmanship on the restart. Um, but I mean, I, I'm not smart enough to exactly like dissect what happened. I mean, clearly, um, it looked like the, the, the I mean, it looked like the 18 or the, the 20 and the 16. So John Hunter and, and Chandler Smith in the front row, they just kind of waited late to get going. And there was kind of just a big stack up. That's what I think happened. I, again, I, I don't have, you know, I certainly don't have SMT data or anything to look at to know, to know exactly what happened. But yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely overdue. Um, it, it's gonna be, it's gonna be tough to police because when when something like that happens, um, you know, obviously NASCAR will say, okay, the restart's under review, and they have to look at the data, look at the video, and, and, and deem whether it's a restart violation, um, which I think would be just a passer penalty on on pit road, I believe. But if it like junks up a bunch of cars, that doesn't matter. I mean, it just it ends up, you know, creating a crash and a caution anyway. So. Um, yeah, I mean that it definitely needs to happen. I'm, I'm just, I'm interested to see how NASCAR will police it for sure. I mean, um, I think maybe something they could could consider doing is shortening the restart zone, or I'd almost rather than like have like a 
like a mark on the wall that says, okay, when you get to this mark, go, not, okay, here's this, you know, two or a hundred yard wide stretch of wall. You can, the leader can go at any point in here. I think, I think it might just have to be, okay, you get to this mark, you go. So I, I don't know. I think, like I said, I think NASCAR, it'll be interesting to see how they police it this weekend because um, restarts are obviously a huge part of racing at, at Pocono. I mean, the front stretch is literally a mile long and, and like you can fan out to like six or seven wide. And the longer that the, those, those straightaways are, the more stuff that goes on in those restarts, like, um, you know, changing lanes before the start finish line or gamesmanship or, um, you know, or, or just jumping the restart. So, uh, I don't know, stuff like that. NASCAR is, like I said, they're going to have to police it. They're going to have to collect a lot of data about it. Um, and just keeping close attention to it. So, um, you know, even when the season's over, they can have plenty of data at a bunch of different racetracks and say, okay, maybe we need to make this change on, on, on how they, um, officiate restarts going forward. Yeah, because we don't want to see them get to the point where they're just going to say, you know what, folks, we're just going to let you, you know, we're, we're going to have to clamp down and, you know, eliminate some of the uh, ingenuity that happens with these restarts. But, you know, I think NASCAR has seen enough of what's been going on lately where, you know, some drivers have been pretty vocal about what's been going on at the front of the field, uh, especially with the front row. And I think Parker Klergeman, um may have mentioned it. I know Ryan Sieg definitely mentioned it on the PRN interview after he got out of the infield care center, how disgusted he was um, with what happened uh, during that crash on the front straightaway, which it's just unusual to see, but it, it's going to be an endemic problem with NASCAR or any kind of motorsports. You know, you can officiate all you want. It's still going to happen, but it, there are ways to hopefully reduce the likeliness of those um, misfortunes happening for those behind the leaders and for the leaders, you know, to kind of just do their thing to win the race rather than try to wreck out their competition <laughs> in the process. Like, you know, we don't have the SMT data, but, um, you know, to what Nathan said, to his credit, you know, I think NASCAR looked at the data or watched the replays enough to say, you know what, folks, we've got to, we've got to tidy this up. This is not good if we're going to get to the playoffs and have this impact you know, who advances and who doesn't on a restart. You'd rather have racing decide what happens, not, you know, a moment like that to eliminate good cars and drivers from a race or the championship race. Well, folks, you know what time it is for our last topic on podium perspectives. That's right. It's winning time here on TPF Live. And we're solely going to think about NASCAR at Pocono just to make things a little bit fair. So, of course, on Saturday afternoon, the Truck Series kicks things off with the CRC Brake Lean 150. Our defending winner, of course, is Chandler Smith, but because he's not with KBM and obviously is racing the Xfinity Series, he is not going to be able to defend that victory. So, safe to say we'll have someone different win this race. And then later on Saturday afternoon, we've got, of course, the Explore the Pocono Mountains 250 Xfinity Series race. The defending winner for that race, of course, is Noah Gregson. Unfortunately, again, because he's kind of got a new job at the Cup Series at Legacy Motor Club, he will not be able to defend that victory. So somebody new will win that race. And then, of course, on Sunday afternoon, and we will race on Sunday, not Monday, because Mother Nature is looking good for a change. We've got the HighPoint.com 400, which was won by Denny Hamlin. No, it's won by Kyle Busch. No, it was won by Chase Elliott. 
because there were a pair of disqualifications that happened literally after the TV went off the air and Nathan had written in the recap because all of a sudden Nathan was still in the media center and lo and behold, NASCAR said, wait a second, we got something to tell you folks. And then it was announced that, uh, you know, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch were given the Dairy Queen and uh, Chase Alec became the winner of that race by leading no laps. So Nathan, I know you can't predict some of the things that may have happened last year, but uh, as far as this year's races, who do you think is going to win the races at Pocono? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, we have a lot of cup cup guys in each race, so that's certainly something to keep an eye on. Um, on Saturday, um, in the truck race, I'm going to go with Christopher Bell. He's making a start with uh, uh, with the Tory in the 61 truck. Um so I'll pick Seabell to get the job done in that race. Um, the Xfinity race, I think we'll stick, we'll stick with the theme of the Cup guys. I know it's kind of boring, but um, these Cup guys certainly, uh, they, they know a thing or two about, uh, about getting around some of these places. So in the Xfinity race, I'm going to go with Chase Elliott. He's in that race. Um, one of a couple Cup guys in there. He's in there along with um, Daniel Suarez and Ty Dillon. And then also kind of backing up a little bit in the truck race, it's uh, it, it's Kyle Busch, Ross Chastain, and Christopher Bell as, as the cup guys in that one. But yeah, I'll go with Chase Elliott in the Xfinity race on Saturday, and then on Sunday I will go with Denny Hamlin to get his revenge. Obviously, he's very very good at Pocono. He's won a bunch of races there of his career. I think a year removed from the disqualification and the tape on the front fascia, he will uh, shake it off and um, bounce back for win number two here in 2023. Yeah, because let's make, that's a good point that you brought up, Nathan. He, it's nothing that he did wrong. It was the fact that the uh, the team did a little bit of funny business with the front fascia, which is what resulted in the DQ. So um, Danny Hamlin otherwise did everything he had to do to win the race and uh, also uh, give a uh, little response to Ross Chastain in the process as well. So, and Ross Chastain still won that battle because Ross finished ahead of him, even though he crashed. That's right. He did. So he's living rent-free right now in, in Danny Hamlin's uh, Pocono mindset. But, uh, you know, I think that's a great choice for him to be uh, a cup contender for this weekend's race. Now, I'm going to start the same way that Nathan did, go from trucks to, to cup. So, yeah, you got Christopher Bell, Kyle Busch. Uh, among those in the truck series race who are cup drivers, but um, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to say Kyle Busch this time, you know, obviously I know he's a little dissatisfied with the truck series program this year, but I don't think he wants to end the season without a victory for that number 51 Chevrolet Silverado pre-chiefed by Brian Patty. So I think it's going to take a little Brian Patty uh, genius to get Kyle Busch's first truck win of the year, but he'll make it happen. And hopefully we'll get a good Victory Lane speech out of it too. Um, and if not, he'll have, uh, he'll have to think about someone like uh, Carson Hoxavar or Jay Garcia in his rearview mirror. But Kyle Busch for, for Saturday's truck race, the Xfinity race. Oh man, you know this is a tough one because again we got you got Suarez, Ty Dillon, Chase Elliott in the field. Um, but you know, we've also got the likes of Sage Karam who could do anything in this race because, uh, I know he, um, there was a really difficult moment that happened for him, but wouldn't that be a storyline if he were to contend and win, um, in Saturday afternoon's race, but I'm going to stick with an Xfinity series regular to win this race. And I keep mentioning his name a lot. 
I do think eventually things are going to turn around and make it uh, be positive for a change. I will go with the number two of Sheldon Creed to finally get his first victory with RCR and really his first Xfinity Series win. He's due for it. He's just really been having some crappy situations happen to him. But I think Jeff Stankowitz and him are going to get that first victory with RCR and, and, and show folks that it's not just the Austin Hill show um, that goes on at RCR's Xfinity program. The cup race now, this was a tough, this is going to be tough because, uh, you know, Pocono certainly has been described as a track that drives like a road course, but it's obviously a super speedway. It's not a short track, super speedway. Let's make that clear for NBC and USA. But um, as far as a contending driver is concerned, you know, Gibbs has been on a hot streak. Nathan's sticking with them with Danny Hamlin winning the race. Personally for me, you know, I am going to go with Kyle Busch to win the cup race on Sunday. Not pick. I know it is weird, but he knows how to win there. And let's not forget that two years ago, he had that rather dramatic come from behind victory uh, with the number 18 team, which I think was his finest victory, honestly, with that Joe Gibbs organization when he had the trouble that I believe his transmission. Uh, if I'm incorrect about that, let me know, Nathan, but he was stuck in fourth gear. So like, like it was like, it wasn't like welded, but like it was like legit stuck in fourth gear. So like he would have to like when he pitted, um, his like his numbers were all screwed up because they didn't have like an RPM reading for one being fourth gear. Because obviously, why would he why would he come down pit road in fourth gear? Then every time he pitted, um, like he he basically burnt the clutch out like trying to get like out of pit road. And then obviously because it's in fourth gear, trying to take off and stall out. So like the pit grid have to push him until like I don't know, but it it was crazy. It was. It was the first race weekend I ever covered in NASCAR, and that was one of the wildest victories I've ever seen. Definitely one of the best ones, for sure, for any driver and team to come back from those circumstances and pull off a victory like that. You you have to be really good and smart and just determined to get a victory like that. So I think Kyle Busch will do it, and it'll be a little less crazy this time around. So I'll say him. So Kyle Busch gets two out of three, so not bad for rowdy of course so what do you think folks uh let us know uh by tweeting to us at nsolly02 for nathan at rob tiongson for me and of course at the podium finish and those same handles apply on threads we want to hear from you folks if you're not on the bluebird anymore we're on that thing called threads run by ig and meta so interact with us and if you do and you pick the right drivers to win these races this weekend, we'll send you a 164 2023 in-stock item car from SpoilerDieCast.com. I don't know if it's going to be NASCAR or IndyCar, but isn't that fun, folks? You just never know. So let us know because we want to hear from our the best fans in racing, which is, of course, the TPF fans. And with that, folks, I think it's time to get into the hot seat. And it's a double header again for the hot seat because, of course, we're going to hear first off from a Team Hornaday development driver who is very, very talented and honestly one of the more funnier drivers I've ever met so far who hasn't made, you know, he's making his way to NASCAR. He's certainly a very fun, mature young individual, you know, races for Rackley War and the Pro 8 models. And honestly, 
I think this young man has a chance to be a factor in the NASCAR series in the years to come. And he's really patient. He is from the volunteer state. And we all know Tennessee has been home to quite a few talented drivers from in NASCAR, Trevor Bain, Sterling Marlin, uh, the Walter brothers, of course, mainly Daryl, of course. So anything's possible. And I think with the mentorship of Candace and Ron Hornaday Jr., you know, I think Dawson and then those folks at THD have what it takes to be in whatever racing series they are going after. So for the first half of the hot seat, why don't we take the time to know Dawson Sutton? Just curious, you know, how did you get interested in racing and who are some of your motorsports heroes that inspired you when you grew up in Tennessee? Um, so actually I, I started racing a year and a half ago, so I'm actually pretty new to racing in general. Um, my dad started sponsoring a NASCAR truck. I think it was three years ago. He started sponsoring a, a truck in the truck series, uh, Clay Greenfield. He started sponsoring him. And then um, I just, or yeah, uh, Willie or my dad and Willie uh, made Rackley War, which we started out as just late models and trucks. Um, and then I used to iRace all the time. Uh, Michael House and Willie. Uh, they made like a Michael House told Willie that uh, he should tr or Willie traded a late model, an older late model for a legend car. So that's where I really got started with the um, the legend car scene. And then um, Willie knew uh, Hornaday's. So that's really where it all came down from. Uh, they we they they all grouped us up together and we all uh, kind of disaligned together. Um, and then I ran 50 races last year in the legend car. Uh, so that's basically where it started. I racing, uh, I got a simulator at home that I play probably like five, six hours a day generally. So I play a ton on there, just practicing and going to all these tracks that most of the tracks are on there that I'm going to. So it's a lot easier, you know, every weekend, it, it makes it so much easier if the tracks on there that I'm going to, that's basically where it started. That's interesting. And to know you just started really fairly recently and here you are racing these powerful machines is, is really cool. And yeah, folks, for you guys who may not know about the Rackley War paint scheme, it's one of the most distinct liveries in motorsports with that purple and white uh, base. It's super easy to spot on the racetrack. And I think it's a really nice looking paint scheme, whether a late model or on Matt DiBenedetto's truck this season. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and you kind of made me think about something before we get into the second question here. You know, iRacing seems to be this great tool, you know, a cost-cutting tool, honestly, because um, before the pandemic, I would say it was a very, a very frequently used platform for professional drivers who are just, you know, shooting the breeze, you know, during a busy racing season. But during the pandemic and really afterwards, I'd say it's been a great source resource rather for drivers like you to get that those lap times because I'm sure it's expensive to just get track time practice and all of that so how helpful has it been for you to get acclimated with these tracks and also too I would imagine some of today's NASCAR stars also race on that platform against you it's unbelievable how how much practice I can get on there and just you know it's expensive to get a it's not that expensive to get started on there you can go get a wheel at your at best buy or any of those places and you can get iRacing there's a membership for i think it's 13 dollars a month so i mean 
it's it's cheap compared to the real life racing scene and you can get so much practice on there racing against some of these nascar guys that i would never even think to be racing against it's crazy how much it teaches you and how realistic it really is that's awesome has there been like a starstruck moment for you and i racing because I have heard stories of how people are like, oh my God, Dale Jr. is racing against me. Or he's in the lobby. Like, have you had that kind of moment yet? Yeah, I got I got into the lobby with Dale Jr. Uh, I, I think it was two months ago. And then actually last week, I raced Ross Chastain at Nashville. And that was really cool because me and him got to like race side by side for like 10 laps. So it was crazy. And like, I got to talk to him. He was talking on there. It was crazy. That's awesome. awesome. Oh, man. And to think he won the race, maybe he should have credited you in victory lane for helping him win that race. Yeah, no kidding. That's for sure. And uh, yeah, Carson Hosevar, all those guys are on there. It's crazy. Our Hosevar, man, he's such a big sim racing enthusiast. And uh, I've heard stories about how he's really nice, but on the racetrack, he's an absolute beast on the track. So um, oh, wow. that that's so cool. And I was going to say, I could tease Ross next time I talked to him and be like, Dawson Sutton should have done some props for Nashville, dude. Like, what happened here? But um, no, I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> that's cool. I need, to, I need to try it out, but that's another time, another conversation for another time for sure. You know, when you think about racing in a late model car, obviously it's probably second nature for you at this point. But imagine someone like me is about to get behind the wheel of one and I've got no clue what to expect. What are three words you would use to describe driving a late model car on the track by yourself and with other competitors? You know, um, just the late models in general, where I started the legend cars last year, they just helped me so much. I raced, like I said, I think I've raced 50, 60 races last year in total. So, I mean, just getting in that legend car, and in my opinion, the legend cars are so hard to drive and like there's no power steering. They're just so so i guess you say unstable um they're very hard to drive they teach you so much especially when you get into a bigger car a stock car like what i drive right now i think what i drive right now is 10 times easy it's like driving a cadillac is what what i'd say driving right now honestly it's so much easier than the the legend part is it took me so long to learn which i'm still learning the late model late models the late model is very hard um in my opinion, it's still very hard just to go out there and race. Since they're a lot bigger, I had to transfer from a smaller car to a big car. Um, so it definitely, that was a big thing to learn. And then I, what I'd say is driving and practicing a, a, a late model is not, not as hard as going out there and practicing a legend car, for sure. So it, it really just, it was wasn't a big transfer from getting in the legend car to the late model just because it helped me so much. And I felt like I already knew what I was doing once I got into the late model, because there's just, there's not a lot of um, throttle control in the pro late models. It's, they just have so much grip. It's unreal. It's crazy. Imagine that a legend's car. Cause like when people look at it, those cars from the outside, you're just thinking that's a little old hot rod. That doesn't look too hard to drive, but obviously yeah. it's not. It's, it sounds like you're if it, in video game parlance, it's like playing the most difficult board or stage right away, which I'm sure, and that's something I've been wondering, like it had to be really difficult to try to not get discouraged during the learning phase, because once you, once you picked it up, because you did like 50 plus races, like you said, 
you eventually picked up on it and it's made going into these late models and these stock cars a little bit easier. But um, how did you keep encouraged during the, the, the learning phase of driving a Legends car? You know, it's there's a lot of struggles, especially going at places like the the summer shootout and uh, Thursday Thunder in Atlanta. It's it's really up and down. But that, I mean, that's just racing in general. It's very up and down. You have the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. So, I mean, it was it was really hard. But, you know, those highs of highs just really kind of keep you in there to keep doing better and getting wins. And, you know, you start off getting top fives, top tens top threes and then get wins the wins just everything just goes together and everything works out especially when you're in the legend car i got to race dirt asphalt road courses um all kinds of stuff and just you know it's a big transfer from all that stuff but it teaches you so much and if you can transfer from from dirt asphalt road courses you that's how it just it's so good if you can transfer from all those things and you can be so like consistent everywhere that's really cool to know. In other words, for those who may not understand racing, I'll just say this kind of in a funny way, but you probably can relate to this. Pay attention to Algebra 1, because if you can figure out Algebra 1, everything else in math gets a little bit easier. So pay attention, it sounds like to me, is what it's all Sorry. about. Because, yeah, if you know how to handle these Legends cars, because it's not just going around the quarter mile in Atlanta and Charlotte. Like you said, you do road course racing with those man, you know, you you will be, I want to say sitting pretty, but you'll feel better about yourself as a driver as the years progress. So that's, for those parents who have kids going up and racing, listen to what Dawson said. That's really good advice for sure. Now, we were just talking about Caraway, and let's get into that, actually, because, you know, obviously you have the win at Five Flag Speedway, and on Wednesday night, you race at Caraway. You got a top 10 result. By the way, that was also the same race that, I know it's not in your division, but Kyle Larson was also there, and I heard it was a really packed house at Ashboro. So, I mean, what was it like to race there with that environment? What are you learning about yourself as a driver that you feel, man, I'm really encouraged by my progress, especially as a Team Horn Today development driver? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it was such a cool experience just being there in general. I've I've raced a legend car there before. And, um, you know, it's a big transfer from racing a late model there to a legend car. It's a really tight place. Um, that many fans there was crazy. It was, it was awesome. I wish I could have done a little bit better, but um, the Rockley War guys gave me a great car there. I just, I struggled in qualifying. We, we were really fast, but um, we got damaged early on and it kind of just hurt us the whole race, but um, got back to get a, a seventh place finish. So not too bad. Um, but, you know, it was overall just a really cool experience being there and racing there. All the car short races are awesome and they're always packed. It's, it's an awesome experience just to go to all these races that, you know, I was really just dreaming to do all last year and um, competing in them. It, all these races are so packed with fans. It's awesome seeing like Kyle Larson and Dale Jr., Josh Berry. That's one of my favorite drivers, uh, Josh Berry. I've learned so much from him um, just in the short track scene. So it's really cool to just race there in general. I mean, you just mentioned one of the great young talents um, who's proving that you don't have to, you know, do what a lot of folks get turned off by to be in NASCAR. Like he was a hardworking banker in Tennessee. He got noticed by Dale Jr. and I racing. He got late model opportunities and now he's going to be in cup next season full time. When you look at someone like him and you realize, yeah, it took him a while, but he made it. 
how encouraging is that to see someone like him do it? Well, I want to say the old school way in NASCAR. It's awesome. Just me and him are actually from, uh, he's from, I think it's like 15 minutes from where I live. He's, he's from the same place. So it's really cool. Um, I never really, I never knew him until my dad and him are, are good friends. Um, and then he ran a truck for us last year. So I really, I've really just learned a lot from him, um, asked tons of questions and, you know, he's, he's probably one of the best short track drivers out there. And he's, he's been to all these tracks that I've went to. So it's a really, he's a good, um, a good tool just to ask questions from. And, you know, he's just a really cool guy in general. And that's the kind of people we want to see. And I can see you have a bit of that Josh Berry personality as well within you too. But of course you're Dawson Sutton. So that makes you pretty cool too. So that's awesome to hear. And uh, it's just nice to see lots of uh, earthy types of drivers in the league, uh, whether late models or NASCAR and hopefully to have more of those coming along. Speaking of one of the most incredible legends all in all of NASCAR motorsports, period. We're working with him and his wife, Candace, on Ron Hornaday Jr., who, of course, is a legendary NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series driver and champion. You know, what are some things you're learning from Ron and Candace that has helped you out in your career so far? You know, it's awesome how much does those people helped me um, and how they got me started in racing. You know, Ron and Candace, um, I wouldn't be here without them, that's for sure. Uh, just Candace is such a good person just to listen to, um, and ask questions from, she knows what, what's right to do and what's wrong to do, especially with this, um, off track stuff. Uh, so there's stuff that I've had to ask her and, you know, uh, just go through with her, um, before I do all these things. And then Ron just, he, he's so good in general. He's such a good race car driver and, uh, he's so good to ask questions from uh ron's ron's a trick, he's such a cool guy in general he's just an awesome guy off the track and he, he's he was one of he's one of the best truck series drivers out there ever and he, i mean he's taught me so much stuff with uh he's so good at restarts which i need to i need to ask him some questions about restarts i'll tell him i need i need to ask him some questions about that uh but you know they're just really cool people and people in general and i wouldn't be here without them that's for sure I was about to ask you that question because I've asked your peers about this. So it sounds like you read my mind because, and you're well aware of it, Ron is the king of restarts, whether it's a short track like Evergreen or, you know, a place like Sonoma. He was just, inc- it's, a, it's like an art, it's like Bob Ross, but with stock cars. So incredible to watch. So that's cool. And I'm sure he'll teach you some tricks up his sleeves about that. Hopefully, if he doesn't. Yeah. Well, that'd be bad. I need to ask him some. Yeah, yeah, that better do so. Um, I hope you get to learn from him for sure on that. Now, for those who may not know about you or or just learning about you here on the hot seat, you know, if you had to compare your driving style to anyone out there, whether in the past or even today, whose driving style is similar to yours? Um, I wouldn't honestly. I wouldn't say anybody. Um, I'm trying to just create my own driving style and just be my own Dawson Sutton. So um, I wouldn't really compare it to anybody. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a dirty driver, um, but I'm also going to race you how you race me. So um, I'm for sure just, I'm Dawson Sutton. I'm not, I'm not anybody else really. 
I like that. Very original. You're you're the OG in this regard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> love it. I love it. Hey man, I also heard heard I have it on good authority actually that your nickname is Soup. How the yeah. heck did you get this nickname? <laughs> so my sister, um, my sister used to make soup all the time. I'm talking like every day. And I've never really liked soup, any kind of soup. That's how I originally started. There's all kinds of ways to get into it. Um, but that's that's how it really started. And then Billy Workman, uh, he used to call me soup and do all these interviews and you know, all this all this cool stuff. And just call me soup. It's so funny. Everything. So my yeah, this my sister made made soup like every day, and I just didn't like it at all. And that's how I really came down from. Wouldn't it be ironic if you got a, an associate sponsorship by a soup company one of these days, though? Like just imagine. Exactly. That's that's what we're trying to do. Campbell's. We need Campbell's. I was gonna say yes. Get on that because uh, I'm imagining that's the kind of soup your sister probably had you cook or. If I have to guess, because I, I used to do this as a kid, ramen soup. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, boil it for three minutes or put it in the microwave for three minutes with some water. Three minutes later, presto, meal done. So I get it. I like it. chicken noodle. Oh, easily. And if I don't feel well, I don't know if you feel like this way too, but if when you're not feeling well and you have chicken soup, don't you feel like your load's better afterwards? So much better. Chick-fil-A, Chick, Chick-fil-A chicken noodle soup. So good. I need to try it out because I am a chicken connoisseur. Dude, it is so good. So good. <laughs> I will take you up on it. And if I say if I feel the same way, I'll even make a vlog about it. So stay tuned for that. Now that will be a fun little challenge I'll take up for sure. Now, got a couple more questions before I wrap up this amazing interview here with you. But let's just say that you got to be sort of me. I'm not a DJ, but I used to be one at, at my college. But let's say you got to be on Sirius XM. You had your own little radio show for like a few days. What are three songs or artists that you would likely play that best describes you as a person and driver? Um, that's a good question, actually. Um, see, I'd play some like Taylor Swift or something, you know? Just <laughs> some of that. <laughs> T-Swift, Yeah party uh it's just you know taylor swift is the main one though that's good let me ask you this i know the big thing that happened earlier this year was the Ticketmaster fiasco and a lot of kids younger adults were pretty sad not to get tickets did you try to get tickets i went to the taylor swift concert oh man there you go you're lucky yeah, yeah. oh I'm yeah i'm sure you had a great time oh yeah sold out that place was sold out it's crazy <laughs> all the Swifties awesome. were there yeah oh god now you're having me ask another question here i don't mean to get off course but do you sing in the race car when it's like caution time or when you're, you're about to close in on the victory uh i mean not really not really <laughs> i need to try that though <laughs> oh gosh i don't i don't want to make you have a bad habit but in a way if it becomes a thing for you dawson and you're in the say the truck or a cup series one day and you're winning a race i better hope that radioactive ha- gets a clip of you singing in the car and uh, you can look back at this interview as a as a genesis for that so yeah that would be, be awesome. that would be it yeah <laughs> oh man you should man you should 
Also too, and, and this makes me really happy to learn about you because I did some research about what you do off the track. I know for a fact that you enjoy bowling during your downtime. So obvious question here, how competitive do you get playing bowling against your friends and family? Does it get, does the stuff get real or are you pretty easy on them? Uh, I mean, I'm not very good at bowling. That's my friends are good. <laughs> I'm not good at all. I can't, I bowl like a, um, I bowl like a, 120 to 150 normally not very good at all <laughs> that's not good I, I i'm happy if i get a 150 you're saying that's not good yeah my friends bowl like a 200 like every time oh i go bowling okay. it's so much though oh yeah it's fun and i'm sure you like do you go when it's like the nighttime bowling and they have the glowing lights and the, the funny animations and stuff oh yeah that's I'm not as good when they do that, though. I can't concentrate when the lights are <laughs> flickering and stuff. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. I hate it, too, but that's typically when my friends want to go and play it, and I'm just like, thanks a lot for giving me a seizure. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, um, and before we get to my last question for you, if you ever make your way up to New England, you have to do this thing called candlebin bowling, which is way different from what you're used to, and and uh, I, I'm telling you, you'll go back and either love it to death or you're going to say, nope, 10 pin all the way for me. I need to try that for sure. Oh, goodness gracious. It's it's so it's it's the most frustratingly fun experience you'll ever have. Guaranteed. I'm telling you. But um, <laughs> before we wrap up this interview and I love this, this is so much fun, man. How do you envision your career in the next five years in terms of your um, racing efforts? Um, honestly, man, I'm just along for the ride. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we can, um, race some super late model races by the end of the year. That's the goal is race, race some super late model races by the end of the year. Um, maybe some truck races next year. That's the goal truck races next year. Cause I'll be 18 by then. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically uh, hopefully how, how it goes. Um, right now I'm just focusing on the pro late models and going, and racing all these different tracks and focusing on, or I'm going for a championship at Nashville and uh, Pensacola. Uh, so hopefully we can pick up a championship there. I'm not trying to go for a championship because that normally uh, lowers your chances, but uh, hopefully we can pick up a championship at one of those two tracks as well. Definitely keep, definitely keep us posted on that because Pensacola in itself not just so much the track, but if you're doing this in the summertime, you have to obviously got to be in great shape. So I admire you for even racing in this con these conditions, but uh, the Nashville Fairgrounds, such a legendary track. I mean, it's like going to feel the dreams, but for, for racing. So that's, I wish you the best of luck with that. And I hope you actually, that you sweep both of those, because that would be a, quite a tale for next year. Yeah, there's only, there's only two more races at Pensacola. There's, there's, there's actually only four races in a season at Pensacola there or at Pensacola and we've won two of them. So I'll say we have a shot there, uh, Nashville, there's still, I think five races left and we're third in points there. So hopefully we can maybe pick up one. Yeah, absolutely. Always good to go for one. If you get the clean sweep even better, but I know exactly. regardless of how it goes, my friend, I know you're going to give it all you've got. Yep. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to leave the floor to you for this last part because I, I got all my questions in. Do you have anything else you want to say to the race fans who are tuning in or reading this article about you? 
uh, I just, I just want to say, uh, or thank you for having me. Um, and then all the fans, just, if you're getting started in racing, just, uh, concentrate and focus and, uh, take everybody's tips that they give you and just listen to the people that are, um, listen to everything that people tell you. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're good or not. Just take the tips and try it. Uh, and then just thank you for having me on here. It's, it's really cool to be on here. Absolutely. We're so happy to have you on here, Dawson, because I love having any kind of driver who loves the sport because that is where the conversation starts, in my opinion. So really thrilled to have you on. Hopefully the first of many appearances for you on the hot seat and just really happy to have you on, too. So thank you for joining me and taking time um, today to have this happen, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Hope to be on here again. You bet. You bet. And that was Dawson Sutton. For the first half of our hot seat segment. So my thanks, of course, to Dawson for taking some time recently to talk to me for TPF fans and, of course, to Ron and Candace Hornaday and, of course, old friend Taylor Kitchen uh, for making that happen. So thank you all for letting us get to know Dawson Sutton. Now for the second half of our hot seat segment, this driver finally broke through to Victory Lane in the Truck Series after her uh, quite a few agonizing years to try to win a race uh, and having crazy stuff happen to him. But finally, at last, he made it happen. He has been really a consistently strong, fast truck driver all season long and may be a factor when it comes to winning this year's championship in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. That, of course, being Carson Hosebar driver of the number 42 Nice Motorsports Truck Series entry, a Chevrolet Silverado, of course, and he's also the focus of our second half of the hot seat segment. So here is Carson Hosevar in the hot seat. Let's talk about your season. I mean, you are on a roll. You've got the victory at Texas. How do you feel about your efforts so far this season? I feel like it's been pretty solid. Um, you know, I feel like we've been quick everywhere we go. Um, and we're just getting better. It's, uh, you know, we have a good racetrack coming up shortly and, uh, you know, a lot of new things that they're trying to work on or try to even improve on, um, for later in the year, which is exciting. And, um, you know, the whole company's, you know, pretty well invested into the 42 group this year. The fact that you're saying that you guys can be even better is just that's scary, scary news for your competition, just because of the fact, like you, I mentioned, you got those four top fives in a row, the victory at Texas, you guys have been so fast all season long. And of course, you and, and crew chief Phil Gould just keep on clicking like you guys have been doing this last few years. And uh, let's talk about that. I mean, I know you had some frustrating close calls, especially last year. And I'm sure in your mind, you're thinking, man, I know I'm good enough to be in the truck series, but can I finally win? And then, of course, you go out and win here at Texas Motor Speedway. So, I mean, what was it like emotions-wise and thoughts-wise when you were able to win at Texas and get that monkey off your back? Uh, it was just super special. Um, you know, it meant, uh, meant a lot and to be able to just walk in every day, um, you know, seeing uh, Victory Lane sticker on the truck every week and seeing the trophy in the shop is super cool. And, uh, I know it makes the 42 team as well as myself just work that much harder to just add another one. Absolutely. And I know you had a little bit of fried chicken with Michael Waltrip. Has the team gotten to enjoy a bit of that as well? 
<laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Good. Just making sure from fried chicken connoisseur to another one. So when I saw that segment, I was like, yep, Carson's going to be in the hot seat just because of that and nothing else. No, I'm kidding. You're obviously a really talented driver and that's why you're here. Now, uh, along the same lines, of course, you're only 20 years old. And I think some folks may forget that because you are, you've been in NASCAR really for these last five years. But, you know, how do you think of your evolution and growth as a driver, especially when you started over at Nice? Yeah, it's been good overall that, um, you know, I got to run a, a cup race this year even, um, you know, but we've been a front runner and a contender almost everywhere we go, which is ultimately whatever car you're driving, you just want to be in contention to win races. And um, that's what we've been able to do and what I've been able to do, um, which has been super great and super special and be able to go drive Xfinity cars on Saturday a handful of times so far this year. And, um, you know, already ran twice and still yet to finish outside the top 10 in those. It's, it's been pretty cool and pretty special to be able to get to where I am right now. Absolutely. And I got to ask you, you were thrown into the, I guess, to the wolves and you had to be one of us journalists when Fox basically made you an impromptu pit reporter. Now, what was that experience like when they were like, Hey, Carson, you got to interview Raja. You got to get with Parker. And then you were just like, you know what? I'm just going to stick around for these next 10 minutes. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, it was really easy. I don't, I don't know. It just felt natural. Um, you know, I maybe felt a little awkward at the start, but, uh, you know, I felt, you know, just, I, I kind of forgot I had a camera and a mic and I was just having fun messing around with people. I loved it because of the fact that, yeah, exactly. It felt really authentic. It wasn't like a scripted interview with the, your fellow comrades. And um, I think my favorite interaction of yours was with Garrett when uh, I think you mentioned your car was as fast as Xfinity 10G, I think it was, you said. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, you're yeah. a sellout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Now, you just touched upon a, the fact that you race in Xfinity and, you know, obviously you made your cup start at, at uh, Gateway. You know, what does it mean for you to, you may, you may have touched upon this, but, you know, more in depth, you know, what's it been like to be able to showcase the folks what you're capable of in competitive cars and know that, you know, you're still this young driver, but you obviously have the maturity and the talents to be up there. Yeah, it's, it's been fun. And, um, yeah, it's been interesting. Um, sorry, I got a little distracted. My crew guy just literally parked right in front of me and he had no idea I was there. So I was trying to get his attention. Uh, you know, we're, we just went to Costco and he just pulled in and I was just like, wait, I think that's him. Uh, that was funny. Oh man. Good old times with the crew. No good. It's all good, man. Sometimes you got to do to do to get their attention for sure. Now speaking sort of on those same lines a bit, you know, you're obviously from Portage, Michigan. How did your hometown shape you into the person you are professionally and personally in relation to the demands of NASCAR? Uh, I don't know. Um, it's a tough question. I don't know if I know the answer to it, but um, yeah, I just, I've lived in Mooresville now for two years in North Carolina and um, yeah, but there's a lot of late mall tracks in Michigan and um, got to grow up there and learn and love racing. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough that I had a local racetrack 10 minutes away and, um, you know, another one 20 minutes away and then another one an hour away. You know, there were a lot of racetracks and there was a dirt track 25 minutes away. You know, I could always go find a race to go watch and 
enjoy the sport and love the sport. And, you know, if I, I, if a track was two hours away, I doubt my parents ever would have drove there um, out of whim and, and said, hey, we're going to take you here and allow me to enjoy and actually see a race. And um, in fact, I got to go watch and, you know, spend my weekends as a kid every single weekend watching just local racing just because I, I loved it. I probably wouldn't like it as much. For sure. And I imagine like you're talking about Berlin, Kalamazoo, all of these places. And I would imagine you made a few trips to Michigan International Speedway along the way. Oh, yeah. A few times. Um, yeah. Every every single time I went, uh, Junior crashed or didn't run very good. And first year I didn't go. Uh, you know, he won. He was my favorite driver going up. And I was so mad that he actually won uh, in like 2012 or whatever because it was the first year I didn't go. Oh man, that's, that's always horrible as a fan. You're like, that's obviously why you want to go and watch a good race, but see your favorite driver win. And when the one time you miss it, you're like, man, am I, were you thinking, are you a jinx to Dale? <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Uh, and then uh, he, I was at Daytona when he won in like 2014. So that made it, I was like, man, at least I got to see this one. So I was like, okay, I can stop being so disappointed. I missed watching him win. <laughs> well at least you have that in your in your racing memories uh, before we get back to the interview I never got to see Jeff Gordon win so every time I showed up he always ran out of, ran out of gas so I was like you know what I'm done being a fan I'm going to be a journalist so and that worked out a little bit better but um, <laughs> that's funny how that works and I think that I thought the same way as you so but that was a little cool story you mentioned there now I always ask this question to your peers I'm going to ask you Carson in this case what would you consider to be your welcome to NASCAR moment that makes you laugh or smile? Uh, welcome to NASCAR moment. Uh, I don't know. There's probably a lot of them, honestly. Um, welcome to NASCAR moment. Uh, I mean, I've stayed out on old tires uh, at Martinsville and started on the front row and instantly got drove through. Uh, you know, that's that's probably my rookie initiation every single time i was in front of anybody they just rooted me right out of the right way and um i was like all right this is this is how it is I, game on i guess uh um you know i and now uh you know i i see every single time a rookie or part-time guy comes in i'm like yep i was that guy i was i was i was i was the kid that got pushed around real real quickly but uh you know luckily you know by the time you get a few races under your belt everybody you know relaxes on you that's fair enough and you probably felt like cold trickle once he was in his first cup races and uh having someone like a rowdy burns messing around with you there in those oh, yeah. events <laughs> i'm gonna pull the rookie's chain i think it's his line to toll so no at least you're you're done being that and now you're you're one of the more respected still young super competitive drivers uh in nascar now let's go off track a little bit here from our final two questions Let's just say that Sirius XM hires you to be a DJ for an afternoon, like today, for instance. What are three songs that you would choose to play that you feel best personifies who you are and why? Oh, I have no, honestly, I have no idea. I, I only listen to whatever songs give me. I don't know any song names. I don't, I really don't know. I have no idea. Um, I literally <laughs> turn on a playlist and I just let it go through. <laughs> so if i were james corden and we were doing carpool karaoke i would be the one carrying the tune for both of us 100 you literally just had to hit play and I, I would just do i wouldn't know any songs 
Oh, goodness gracious. I guess that's okay, though, because at least you're not the annoying person in the passenger seat just turning the knob or whatever it is uh, during a long drive. So that's good to know. Now, for my last question for you, and I'm having a bunch of fun doing this with you, Carson. If you got to choose anybody to play you in your biopic for a Hollywood movie, who would play the role of Carson Host of R and Y? Um, like who I want or who I think. Uh, you know, let's go for let's go for both because they this may be uh, this may be different. Well, who I who I'd want is like you. I ideally like you'd want like a Miles Teller or a Tom Cruise, you know that. But they're way they'd be way too short. So I'm trying to think of somebody who could be <laughs> tall enough. Um, um, man, I don't know. I've gotten compared to like Dak Shepard, so I could just go with that. He's tall enough, and I like that one, Dak Shepard. I didn't think of you as being him, but that's a good that's a good choice because he's got, he's at least he's got Kristen Bell. So, I mean, that's not bad. I was going to say, and I'm sure you've gotten this a lot. I was going to say George Russell, actually. Yeah, that could work, but he wasn't, he's not a, he's not an actor. That's true. Although if you hear his, his little rants lately, you would think he is an actor. That's fair. <laughs> but you don't rant, you're a cool dude. So anyways, Carson, I really appreciate you joining me for this hot seat interview. Do you have anything you want to say to the fans of Podium Finish or to your fans at all um, before you get going for Nashville? Uh, just appreciate you having me on and uh you know hopefully you do it again sometime and hopefully you got a another win picture behind behind you for the next one absolutely i also have the one of you and victor lean on fire but i don't think that wouldn't have been a good look on youtube it would have yeah. looked like devil's advocate but uh <laughs> no man <laughs> i really appreciate you joining me man this was fun let's do one in person that would be more fun all right thanks rob you got it, carson good luck yeah see ya that was Carson Hosevar, who joined us in the hot seat. So my thanks, of course, to Carson and to Nice Motorsports' Josh Slate for making that happen. And, of course, we'll get to see everything that happens to Carson this weekend with the Truck Series race, starting off with practice and qualifying on Friday. And then, of course, the big main event on Saturday afternoon that kicks off the racing activity for Saturday. Well, believe it or not, folks, this is almost the end of TPF Live episode number 79, and we're heading to the 80s, the best era, decade, really. Well, Nathan's probably like 80s is a long time ago, but um, I love the 80s, and that's where we're going to be heading to on our show. So before we wrap things up here, of course, Nathan, I know you have some pretty cool plans. I know you don't want to exactly reveal what those are, but I'm sure you have some final thoughts you want to share about Pocono. I do. Uh, very jam-packed weekend coming up. Like I said, all four series there. we got some interviews booked, so um, you're going to want to pay attention to TPF this weekend because, I mean, look, we had a very loaded weekend of content last weekend. I mean, oh boy, this weekend we are we are jam-packed. I mean, we've got, of course, we've got four NASCAR races that we're covering um, and all the storylines in, in there. I mean, of course, plenty of storylines to come. Truck season, it's crunch time here. I mean, the points are um literally historically close i think that the craft and truck series um social media i think they, they tweeted out or, or instagram today um that was two races left the cut line has literally never been this close and there's four guys within like six points right now for like the last two spots so it's gonna be wild um looking forward to, to covering that um 
And then the Xfinity Series, I mean, there, there's always excitement in that one. Um, we've got IndyCar. I think it's an IndyCar doubleheader this weekend, right, at Iowa? Yep. So a, yes, it IndyCar is. IndyCar races. We've got F1 this weekend. We have got no short content. Uh, we've got an, SR race, an SRX race uh, Thursday night. Um, it's a great time to be a part of TPF, so make sure you guys are tuning in to the website and following along with us on social media because there's going to be plenty of content there. So look forward to getting to Pocono and telling some of those stories from NASCAR Garage. And getting home on Sunday night, Monday morning, not Monday night, Tuesday morning, because Mother Nature looks like she's going to be nice for a change. So I'm looking forward to that. And SRX race, yes, it's going to be Thursday night. So when you hear the show, it's going to probably be what you listen to before the race on ESPN with Alan Beswick and, yes, Daryl Waltrip in the booth with him. And, of course, Matt Yoakum and Nicole Briscoe in, on pit road and roaming around the, the track at Stafford. So, yeah, I would be remiss if we don't say thanks to Paul Root and his staff for letting us cover this race. And we look forward to doing more races of the SRX this year. But right now, folks, get set, get tuned in. Uh, do those channels for racing and on TPF because we'll have a lot to talk about uh, just because New Hampshire is over with and we did get 20 stories that Nathan pointed out which is the most busiest we've been I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do this weekend in particular so check us out every day pretty much every hour there'll be a lot of new things to check out and read on the fastest the inside the fastest lane in motorsports, as we say in TPF. So with that, I know Nathan's getting ready to head to the Long Pond, Pennsylvania, and I am going to get ready to do what I have to do to cover races remotely. So with that, folks, it is time to sign off for TPF Live. So for Nathan Solomon, Dawson Sutton, and Carson Hosefar, I'm Rob T. Johnson saying thanks so much for tuning in to episode number 79 of The Podium Finish Live, the world's fastest hour of racing talk. Check out our previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. And stay tuned for next weekend's episodes of TPF Live because we're going to look forward to what happens at Richmond and recap all the madness from Pocono. So as I always like to say on our show, let's all go get that checkered flag. Safe travels to our TPF team going to Pocono. And until next time, everybody, so long, everyone. <laughs>